Hi guys, Ali here. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Not The Top 20 podcast. NTT 20 pod meets Paul Heckingbottom. Our episode with Michael Appleton went down so well, we wanted to do another one. And we found another young, talented British head coach looking to get back into the game, looking to get a job either in the EFL or elsewhere. The reason we love sitting down with these guys is to get a, a real openness from them. I think the idea from us is that this wouldn't seem like your average media interview that you might see in the mainstream, um, but to try and get more of a feel for these guys as people, um, to talk to them slightly more informally and to hear about their experiences, uh, how their experiences have shaped them, uh, their philosophies, uh, their opinions and much, much more. Paul Heckingbottom in that sense certainly didn't disappoint straight from the off. Uh, Paul opened up about his time uh, as a youth team player at Man United, uh, his time at the end of his career where he almost uh, fell out of the game altogether. And then, of course, we get into his time at Barnsley, the first few months winning twice at Wembley in his first five months as a head coach, uh, an amazing time. And then a really interesting year and a half, two years with Barnsley, Uh, successful for sure for a lot of time, uh, but also very difficult often behind the scenes as well. We obviously then talk about some of the players that Paul managed, many of whom are in the Championship and some even in the Premier League right now. One of my favourite parts of this discussion is Paul's tactical conversations. Again, not the sort of thing that you might hear uh, in other sit-down interviews like this, but we went quite in-depth about how he set that Barnsley team up to succeed both in League One and in the Championship. Of course, we then talk about Paul's move to Leeds uh, at a, a difficult time for Barnsley and a move that caused a lot of consternation. We talk about Paul's four months at Leeds as head coach, his departure from Leeds, his thoughts on that spell uh, and what he's learned from it uh, and, and what he thinks of this season's Leeds United under Marcelo Bielsa. I can't thank Paul enough for giving me so much of his time, uh, but also for being so open, so engaging, uh, so interesting And uh, we really hope that you'll enjoy this episode. If you do enjoy it, please do retweet, please do share, please do share amongst your friends who you think might be interested. Uh, We'd love to do more of these as well. So if you know of someone who who would make for a a brilliant NTT20 meets, please do tweet us at NTT20pod. Enjoy this one and thanks for listening. Absolutely delighted and honoured as well to be joined by Paul Heckingbottom. Uh, former professional footballer who played as a left-back for a number of football league clubs, most notably Darlington, Norwich, Bradford, Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Bradford again, uh, Mansfield, better known to us on the Not The Top 20 podcast as a former head coach of Barnsley and of Leeds United. Paul was famously included in our top 10 managers under 45 list from 2017. You probably weren't even aware of that, but uh, you were very much on it. Um, and it's, yeah, it's brilliant for us to be able to, to sit down with you. Um, you've been so heavily involved with the football that we've been covering twice weekly over the last few years. Um, and yeah, Paul was last seen prowling a touchline in Myanmar in May um, <laughs> since leaving Leeds. Paul, you've had some time off, presumably for the first time in about 20 years. Yeah, and it is the first time, so uh, it's been been interesting. And you, you go through lots of different phases of it, I think. So I'd always plan, because I was never trying to be, or, or set out on my pathway to be a manager head coach, I wanted to be like a youth coach, under 18s coach. That was, that was my dream job, what I wanted. Um, 
I only managed to do it for a few months, then got, you know, pushed up and sort of bullied and made to, to take different roles. And I'm glad because as soon as I took the head coach's role, it sort of, sort of for me and I, and I really enjoyed it. But if you've not been preparing for it, I was preparing then as I was doing it and making little notes and things in areas that I knew I needed to get better at, wanted to look at further. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the three years, especially in the last year I was always saying Look, the first time I'm at work I'm, I want to get better at these things I want to look into this I want to do that and the day after I got sat by a Leeds I, you know someone spoke to me about taking another job and that was the difficult one where I thought do you know what oh, I think I should go straight back in but I stuck to what I said and you know family and representative said the same what you always said you know you were going to be for, for a long haul and wanted to get better and look into things so so that's what I did and the first few two three months felt like I was still at work I had a few sort of making sure I had three four days either out or, or in the office and going over things um, looking at different things for myself and felt like I was still at work and I actually thinking well this is actually good for you yeah first time I really reflected first time I really looked at how I work best about what I need to do to be in that space about my bad habits that you're not really aware of and what can affect you. So I felt like I was getting better, but then you tick that list off and then it's like, right, now what? <laughs> um, you, are you quite good at, or were you quite good at, you know, you're talking about bad habits. Are you are you all right accepting those when, when you yeah. think, when they pop into your head? Do you instantly go, oh no, I did that because, and come up with an excuse, an excuse. which is the sort of thing I might do. Now, but, yeah, and I would have when I played, and that's a football's worst, but like, so one of... And that's another reason, really, when I got into the coaching and the education side and, and going back to uni and looking at all sorts, I really did commit to, to getting better at, at everything and um, I enjoyed it. Do you know, so, so you can't yeah. hide from yourself, really, yeah, yeah. can you, if you want to get better? And Yeah, I'm pretty, I, one thing I've learned, I am pretty self-aware anyway, I can, I can pick things up, but it's a different role when you're a coach, you know, you'll have spoke to lots of people about you are under the pump you are with the person that people looks to you have got to hide things a lot you, mm. you've, you've got to um, and you didn't from what you said just at the start there you didn't think that's what you fancied at the start but you know no, in between playing and when I played when coaching. I played I did when I played I always when I was younger especially I felt like I was playing so I wanted to be a manager at the end of it yeah but then you meet people in the game who for me are fools and don't deserve to be there and um, I got a little bit disillusioned with it at the end thinking that listen for me I'm not dealing with these people anymore I've done I actually started plumbing uh, really when I was at Bradford I went back to Bradford and it was Dave Weatherall and Wayne Jacobs who were on the coaching staff then they were playing when I first went there who said well, what are you doing because I'd start my badges early and let them lapse um, what, what are you doing and I told them why said, yeah but don't do that Like you're letting them drive you out of the game why don't you stay in the game Surround yourself with good people and help to get rid of these people you don't like. And it was like a light. I was like, do you know what? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and it is. I still think about it now. I'm talking about it to you. It's like yeah. a little thing that uh, that is important to me. And, and that was it. That's when I started everything again. And um, yeah, so we, I weren't really... And then from that point, it was coaching. And then I was working with younger players. I had really strong youth coaches when, when I was younger who had a big impact on me. Not, not really the football as well, but you know you remember things I've said and I think you're at a really important stage in your life. I mean, you were, you were a youth team player at Manchester United. Yeah, so it was Eric Harrison and, and Pop Robson who were my 
I coach and then I had pop again at Sunderland when I went there and what were you class of 94 or what would you in, in relation in relation no, in to relation those to that, yeah, yeah well they the, the boys well, Gig, Giggsy was 92 weren't he the other yeah. ones I think Beckham was 91 Nev. maybe yeah but but, but in Nev so you might have been we were 93 Phil yeah I was Phil Neville's my age so we were 95 okay um, yeah so great grounding really good really good play and that's the reason I signed I weren't I like I said, I were under no illusion. I remember saying to my family, I weren't particularly going there to get in their first team. I was going there because I loved the place. Um, my experiences when I'd been was the well looked after. Coaching was great. The players you were playing were great. I just liked the atmosphere. Mm. And where better to, to get a, an education, if you like. And Yeah, it definitely helped me in, in my career. And I see you, you get them feeling you're going forward and thinking, right, that, that's what I want to pass on. And if I might be working with 20 boys and there might only be two of them be pros but yeah. the other 18 I'd still like to think I can make them better people and make them help them to make good decisions and good choices and I, and I enjoyed that and do you know what I, the approach is not much different from me first team still mm. still that same uh, valuing people I think and that that's the bit I enjoy and that's the bit I miss most on not working as the players Were you still sort of jumping ahead a lot but there's there's so much to cover and so many interesting topics that we'll touch on but the squad that you had at Barnsley when you became head coach when Lee Johnson moved to Bristol City that was a very young squad wasn't it um, or, yeah. or with a lot of young players at least and a couple of, of older pros as well like A.D. White and uh, I suppose Adam Hannell was one of the senior players as well so that in a way was not too much of a removal from working with a youth team yeah and I'd sort of the benefits I had there I knew the club inside out knew the ownership inside out knew the players inside out knew the fans do you know what I mean and no one could tell me anything I didn't know about the club and the players really so I was well prepared if you like to take over but but it's still interesting I, I, I probably until I took over I probably undervalued the two years I'd had with those players you know the first team players mm. uh, which I saw when I did take over I'd already got that relationship with them um, and we got promoted that season of the 18 that went up we'd lost 9 of them by the start of the next window anyway so it was mm. like a whole new squad if you like yeah. but that's when I noticed the difference mm. to the new players who came in I was gaffer and I, I could see them very, a bit more wary of me standoffish to the players who I'd known two years they were exactly the same and that was the first point where it was like you did feel like that but that's like, interesting isn't it because there are some you hear some stories of, of it being the other way around and that being an issue for some people I guess it's down to character I mean yeah. famously I think it was at Chelsea when Viali took over having been a player and, and, he, and he decided he didn't want to be matey with the players at all he wanted to be the, yeah. the big dog and they all just thought he was an idiot because of that and then they fell out so yeah. that's kind of the reverse yeah it is but that, that's the point I were never trying I never had an idea of how I would play it and what mm. I would do my approach is the same so how would if coach how would I get the best out of you I've got to know you build a relationship we understand you probably understand you better than you you spoke before you about you might make an excuse I've got to spot those excuses and when you're not being truthful and that was always me, yeah that, that yeah. was always my me, me approach so I'd, I'd had some real difficult conversations anyway with, with those players who I thought either weren't pulling the weight kidding themselves or even when I was coaching or but it didn't mean they knew I had the back do you know what I mean they knew then I'd be the one going out in the afternoon working with them um, so that was exactly the same when when I took over, I, I, I didn't have to change anything because I felt I'd been pushing them anyway and also working as hard as I could to get them in the team and get them to stay in the team. So that was just my approach. So it sort of feels like a bit of a theme of 
a sort of wave that that you that you I don't want to say were picked up by, but that you were riding at Barnsley from when you joined uh, coaching the youth team to moving up and up and up, taking charge. And of course, the first what was it five five months or so? Did you take charge around February time? And yeah, I, think I mean, first, it couldn't have gone much better in the first five months no, with two no. trips to Wembley and two yeah. two wins, one in the JPT and, and one in the playoff final. Yeah, but you said you said about riding away. I was I was on the verge of leaving. I'd been just being offered. Like I say, you, you get taken advantage of as well. When so there's some fantastic people still work at Barnsley, but it were Barnsley people, Barnsley fans. And I understand, but and, and the club are probably aware they take advantage of them people um, in terms of what they're willing to give, how little they might get paid, mm. that that type of thing. Which you put bought they bring so much to the club. And at the time, I was like first team coach and doing the under twenty ones. No one was in there as many hours as I was. You know what I mean? But the, but I wasn't upset about that. What I was upset was I knew that the players who I meant to be with the 21s weren't getting the, the person they should have had, um, and, and that that probably that that's sort of been a theme in, in my time playing. And when things aren't right, I have a problem with them, and so I was on the verge of going, then end up taking over, and I was still thinking about going, even though you know we're, we're having this success because of yeah just the opportunity somewhere else. So was the fact that you weren't appointed until winning promotion, was that a mixture of... I think everyone said, well, why are they not appointing him when they're on yeah, such no, a good no, run? They, maybe they maybe offered the job early on, yeah. You did, yeah. yeah so it was yeah. you that it said, that actually, moment. hold on. Yeah, so it's there. The reasons, been offered a job elsewhere. Didn't know the plans of the club. Like I said, no one knew the club as, as well as I did. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. There were things that I thought, can we be successful here? If this is carrying... you know what I mean? If this is yeah. like this... Results can just paper over cracks, you know what I mean? You have to understand what you're doing well. You have yeah. to understand how you've got there and then how you make it better. Um, and I didn't think we were there, but I'd always said and, and that if, if we did go up, there's no way I can't do it. No way. Yeah. Um, so even though I didn't, I think I signed a contract at, at the end of June, um, I think I'd already told Patrick, you know, when we went up that I would stay. So, yeah, it was... There's no way I couldn't then. It was the experience of it. Like I say, I knew that point as well. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to do. Mm. The different challenges of it, working with players, being the one making the decisions. Really enjoyed it. You're heading into the championship season and you've obviously got some concerns under the surface and the wave doesn't stop there because in January, you're eighth in the championship uh, as a promoted team with a budget that must have been right down there at that level. Uh, and that's, I think, where, although you, you clearly had some reservations, that's where, for the likes of us, uh, covering the leagues, it was like, this couldn't be going any better. It's a, a young manager, there's a captain from Barnsley, the manager's from Barnsley, the chairman's from Barnsley. They're eighth in the championship with a squad of young players. And that's when it seemed to stop because the easy thing to look at um, as a pundit was the sale of, of key players in January which really seemed to halt the momentum of the team yeah it, sales are sales I, the only way we could have got better and continue to get better would be to buy cheap develop players sell them on reinvest so I that process understood 100% and enjoyed it and it started when we went up like I say so we got promoted Nine players of the eighteen that got promoted left. Yeah, 
it was important we kept A.D. White and Adam Hamill so that was one thing I was fighting for we managed to tie them down so they was they were part of the nine and so I knew we had seven, eight, nine good good players Yeah. but that we needed more so recruitment was key didn't want a big squad I've been trying to get Ryan Kent since February from, from Liverpool uh, eventually got him in at the end of July he was a big one for us and now we wanted to play and we brought in some some good loans again you know Adam Armstrong came in on loan we, we brought in some real good loans but that that's only a stopgap. yeah so we needed to reinvest and buy we should have bought more of our own mm. um, one of our strengths we had a we, well document wanted to recruit under 24 lower down yeah. cheap but it don't mean they all fit the bill mm. and if you do identify someone in that small pool you've got to go and get them so yeah. even if it costs you an extra couple hundred grand an extra grand a week you have to go and get them mm. um, and we signed some real good players but, but I was not... going to say the success rate is still higher than the average isn't yeah, it yeah but you don't know about the ones that weren't successful do you get what I mean with the, with the plenty of... well there are some who are not playing yeah, for Barnes yeah, yeah. players back in but, Scotland but, or... but that weren't the strength so the, the model was good but the strength of what we had is the people at the club so the, some of the people are still there some all left with me the environment that we brought players into was perfect for overachieving do you know what I mean there weren't a, there, there were no little area that a player could hide in terms of not trying to get better mm. I'm not saying we're cracking the whip all the time but it was about getting better it was about improving there was support there there was challenge there um, everything was aligned to geared towards our perfect performance how we want to play and that was our strength so that's how we tried to maximise everything even from the young players and beneath in the 21s so that, so that was our strength um, and that's what sort of lost and went away from thinking it weren't that it was how we recruit it weren't mm. you can recruit good players or you can, re- you can have two players who you're undecided on but this one could be as far away as possible from what you need. This one could be perfect because of what, what you are and what yeah. you're about. Um, so, so that was really our strength, the, the environment we created for, for the players. And then was that what was somehow being undermined or, or being lost slightly the second half of that first championship season? Um, well, no, we, we lost... Oh. We, it's well documented. We, we, we should have negotiated with players earlier, you know. Mm. We, we should have tied them down we had we had a great model which I, I thought people thought in terms of how we look to identify players who we would buy that same model was shown we had some of the top performing players in the championship who were on peanuts so why didn't we use that same information which we would use to go and spend 400 grand to, to get this player tied down four grand a week um, and we didn't do it we, we left it too long and then it, there's only one option it's either we need to sell them or let them go on a free at the end of the summer Yeah, we uh, we actually happened both we I think we sold we four left I'll include Sam Morrison actually had him already agreed four left uh, another four wanted to leave which was difficult Yeah, um, uh, and then a lot left on a free in the summer as well mm. so we, we we got stunned both ways and when, when you're in that position you don't get true value do you know what I mean yeah. so you haven't got the maximum amount of money to reinvest into your group. Mm. And suddenly for the first half of the season, everyone's focusing on the football. That dreaded January comes around and all those problems start to rear their heads. Yeah. And all of a sudden, presumably because of that, what you've just said. Yeah, no, we still did well, but we were. The, the problem is, and, and I look back, I can't remember where we were. I just remember middle of, middle of December, we beat Birmingham away, we were flying high. Mm. Uh, we beat them away 3-0 and we went 6th, 7th, something like that. I can't remember where we went. 
And around that time, I think probably fourth and fifth just above us were Huddersfield and Reading. And one thing I was really proud of in, in like I said, the staff, the team, the players, we had a real clear identity. So, we, you know what I mean? I think you could have put Barnsley in a blue kit, mm. watched us play, and that's Barnsley. That. We had a real clear way that we played. So did Reading, so did Huddersfield. And I admired them, I thought, they're going places. Mm. The big difference was they both bought a couple of players in in January, doing really, really well. We were right there with them. We sold our best players. Mm. They both ended up in the playoff final. You know, so I, I actually went to the, the show, the video, Barnsley, that they made a film on Barnsley's promotion to Premier League, and I did an interview oh, yeah. afterwards. Oh, I'll never happen again, will it? And I thought, are you kidding me? I, I need to stop it. Did you know we, we were in December before we sold them plays? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It was as if everyone gave up, thought, oh, that, we're just Barnsley, that's where we are. Do you know what I mean? We, had, we, were, we were doing well, we had a great chance. Uh, and who knows? But uh, it was just one of them things. Yeah. What, what do you remember about the the trips to Wembley? As someone who wanted to be a manager, then wasn't sure, and then decided they wanted to be as they basically became one yeah. <laughs> and within within five months you've, you've won twice at a place that most managers will yeah. never win I was actually at both of those games and it was just like the goals scored the intensity of the play the intensity yeah. of the support and just I just remember like Conor Hurahan and everyone running around afterwards it just it was just pure yeah, it, pure joy it, it was good and that's why I don't believe it, you try and win every game so anyone had to anyone in the, in the checker trade trophy I'll try and win it so that, that sort of kept our season alive. Mm. I remember when in November, December, we were bottom of the league, mm. but still doing all right in that. And like you, you can be losing, I think, oh, I stayed in a row in the league, and, but then winning the cup, you know, just gives you that little bit more. And knocked out of the FA Cup away at Altrincham, real low point, I remember that. Yeah. You know, being on the staff and seeing John Owen, the manager, really low, and you think, come on, you know, I remember that being a real low point, but we're still... I can't remember who we beat them, but we, oh, we had the semi-final of the cup to come up, and it was like we it kept the season alive really. Mm. Uh, then results picked up in the league, and we we qualified against Fleetwood in, in the semi-final. And John O left the next day, so we, the job had already been done to get to that final. So regardless of what we'd done and won in the league, so between me taking over, we'd done well in the league, picked up results, performing better, playing really well. But when it came to that first final, I felt a bit strange, a bit of an imposter, because you know, John had got, they'd won the the, the rounds in the league mm-hmm. in the in the cup, so that was strange. But we win there, and it, it helped us prepare. As momentum stayed in the league, you know, we, his form was fantastic, and we got the point where I knew if if we were physically right, we we'd beat whoever we were playing against. Mm-hmm. It got to that point, the, the lads were just. You know, Including really champions Wigan on final day, a game you yeah. had to win. Were they were they hungover? We we were good. We <laughs> we were good, but we. Start, I remember I went. I remember going mad at half time. We were two one up, mm. but we'd got a real clear way of playing. Then really aggressive, lots of intensity to how we play. Front men were really important. They had to start us off, be on the front foot, and we created lots of chances by winning the ball back up back up high up the pitch. And for some reason we didn't do it playing Wigan. We were letting them play out from the back, and we never showed anyone that much respect. Mm. Never. And then, and it was rammed. They they won the league. We were trying to get the playoffs. We were trying to get the playoffs, and the atmosphere was rocking. It was part time. You couldn't get a message on. And I remember trying everything to get a message on, uh, and eventually got it. And then we started pressing. We scored two goals at the end of the first half with us, you know, not just going and getting on top of them, yeah. dominating. And I remember going mad at half time, 
It's like, who, who do you think, who's made the call not to press? You know what I mean? We we decide how we play. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then we go out and deliver it. And I remember being really mad, really angry. Um, just because of that. Think, why are we coming away from that? Who's made this call here now? Um, and then on the front foot against second half, score another two and, and dominate. Mm. But but that is the deal. You speak, Wigan has probably achieved their goal. We weren't. We were chasing. So yeah. A big part of our game, our intensity, especially when you're chasing something. You and knew you'd almost have a sort of upper hand in terms of just mentality and desire. Yeah. Because but it was just a big human part. nature. Yeah, yeah but yeah. also it was a big part of how we played. We wanted to, we took risks in possession. We took yeah. risks out of possession. Yeah. Do you not know I mean? No fear. So why all of a sudden play with a bit of fear just because of the occasion? Mm-hmm. And um, it was really important and it was good for us to, to learn from that and, and and take it forward. So that's how we approached in the playoffs. Was that style that you played with Barnsley, was that something that you, uh, when you thought of how you would manage a team, were you to ever get a job beforehand? Is that Was that you sort of demanding that or was that more you know there are some clubs that almost come with a style of play come with an expectation of how they're going to play yeah. whether it's direct like Millwall or possession based like other teams yeah. a bit of every, everything so when I was coaching and doing the badges one of the studies I did was on Borussia Dortmund they, they were a team I, I chose and, and another one was Atletico Madrid a team I liked and the simple reason they were overachieving so I was looking at me right the players I'm ever going to work with what's going to be you know, we're not going to be Real Madrid Barcelona Bayern Munich and have the most money the best players you might be lucky enough one day to be doing that but <laughs> so why are Dortmund winning two Bundesliga titles why are they doing the, the league and cup double why are Atletico Madrid winning the league and getting the Champions League finals because they shouldn't be mm-hmm. above their opposition so he's looking for real common threads if you like in their teams their performances how they play and there were some real clo- real similarities between the two so you took a 4-4-2 from Atletico and the press from Dortmund yeah but how we defended it yeah it's a bit similar no no so so play and, and trying to simplify it somewhat attacking a way that we've got very intellectual listeners yeah well attacking a way that promotes how you want to defend so don't be bothered about taking risks and playing forward and getting bodies up the pitch and playing four passes because when you lose it you've got bodies around the ball to win the ball back and also defending the way that pro- promotes how you want to attack. So, Atletico Madrid defending the edge of their box or their fight, their defensive third, I think, are fantastic. Mm. But there was a couple of little positions which Dortmund take up because they were a big counter-attacking team, which for me worked better than Atletico. And so, wherever we were on the pitch, we defended the same. Mm. And a first pass should, if we had uh, players in good positions, set up, be able to set up a counter, dependent yeah. on the opposition setup. So, yeah, some real common common th- themes common threads and link that then to where I'm from me and knowing the town and, but there's, there's not many fans in football uh, that don't like high intensity football there's, there's not many there's not many you know we'd, we'd gone through a, a stage earlier on in that season where it was all possession possession and it looked good at times but if you're conceding 20 shots at your goal every game you're not mm-hmm. going to be doing well and, and there's a slowness to you and it's something I've always looked at then since the, the teams who are uh, predominantly the top of leagues no matter what level but compare them to to other teams in their leagues and they'll, they'll be playing at higher intensity generally not not everyone because yeah. some teams uh, you mentioned direct or set plays or can be really mm. effective in that but generally intensity uh, of your performance is something that we're getting near the top and moving up to the championship it seemed like you didn't make too many changes or adaptations to that game and yet moved up to the league above 
with stronger squads and better opposition um, took them on in the same sort of way and, and had yeah. great success with that yeah same sort of way because there's a, there's a key tactical thing in how we defend it's, it's funny you say, say so we played we played Ipswich away first game of the season and lost 4-2 four 4-2 two. Four two, yeah uh, and got people saying nice things about us how we played how we passed the ball I'm like no chance the three of the goals we concede were fundamental that we can't accept that <laughs> and I remember saying the play will never be a pretty team and, and, and not win games but they knew what I was talking about because certain players there's fundamentally certain things that we wouldn't accept in the team it sounds like the really bad things they're not the, but they're just what mm-hmm. we stood for uh, and then the next game league game at home we beat Derby 2-0 and we were the exact opposite we were really really strong um, really organised um, really efficient with the ball but we were we always pressed uh, in League 1 League 2 in the Championship when they were dropping the centre backs out and then they had Will Hughes and Tom Hullison going deeper to get on the ball a lot to ask on our centre mm. forwards to trigger and if, and if we did go full all the time there was big spaces then for the wingers coming in and, and the number 10 uh, we'd already spoke about this as staffing I wanted to do it but we'd not done much work on it simply because we'd been really effective one way where we'd always press with a nine and have a midfielder dealing with one deep midfielder we didn't want to release a second midfielder to go on that mm. so we worked a lot more then on maybe creating um, our own triggers to press by making their first pass predictable whether it be to the full back whether it be a square pass whether it be a negative pass so that was one thing with, that we added um, and the players took on board because when you can see things working up, you, you buy into it yeah. more so that was one the only tactical change out of possession um, and yeah we, but, and it was because we only had to really change one thing and add one thing we were still well drilled and mm-hmm. and um, yeah mate, kept it really simple as simple as we could The players that uh, you coached at Barnsley whether it was in that League One season and some of them who stayed some of them who were added uh, in the summer that you moved up to the Championship I mean the I would to my eyes anyway the core of that squad are now almost to a man established Championship players in the case of Mawson obviously who played down in League One a Premier League player um, and an England player so that must be a source of great joy and pride to, to watch these guys do so well and also speaks to what you said earlier about what an unbelievable job yourself the recruitment team did to put together that squad who at the time were young players who hadn't necessarily proved themselves and to, to be able to get a load of guys who are now challenging for promotion to the Premier League and you know, I think of Hurahan who was signed from Plymouth just listening to you talk about the system there I mean and I'm just thinking about his role at Villa now yeah. which has changed again uh, under Smith as it was under Bruce I mean the amount of different roles he's played in the last few years yeah and this is why if you want to maximise everything that's why you can't just recruit off stats there's got to be a filter but you have to be really clear on what is the role they're going to come and perform in your team now yeah if the stats marry up perfect for that particular role is going to play great but you need to really be visual watch him everything about him so can he perform the role because you have to be clear in your roles to be make your recruitment as simple as possible so you're not wasting money you're not wasting targets and that's what you can't afford to come away from so Connor came as an attacking midfielder really bought off goals and assists but we were bottom of the league for a long long time until he added lots of other elements to his game mm. which took him to another level so out of possession understanding his role and not got the ball uh, defending as a two when we were just playing a two to get two forwards on the pitch 
sometimes the more defensive of the two. Uh, I mean, certainly so is now. Yeah, so there's two roles. So again, so there's your tactical element. So Dean loves his six to be getting on the ball and dictating. He certainly does. So with big strength from Connor, if Connor was obsessed with getting goals and assists and playing beyond their midfield, you'd lose a big strength of his, which was mm. receiving the ball, playing forward passes. So it was getting him to see that you can be having as much influence as on the game without having shots at goal. That might be someone else's role today. Um, and, and, and Connor, for example, understood that. He, he liked to get, we used to collect our own performance stats and he liked to, to see his in and out of possession and, and have discussions about, well, why is his score not so high today? Well, because a big part of our game today was how effective we were without the ball we played on the counter-attack. Then we might play at home against someone uh, and draw or lose 2-0 and his scores in possession could be through the roof. Well, yeah, because you've been constantly on the ball trying to break a team down. And so and it was... He, he likes to understand things like that so it's interesting for me seeing him now play as a six because yeah. he can be in a possession team a, 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 a manager if you like a coach who wants to build then he's someone who will look to get on the ball in that position and play forwards You've been watching a lot of games this season which of the, the former players from Barnsley have you enjoyed seeing you know, flourishing in the Championship who have you seen a bit like Connor taking another step up and, and improving even more? Yeah, we mentioned Connor. There's been some, obviously, in and out. Obviously, Josh Gowan was always a big player mm. for us at Barnsley because he could he could be unnoticed, you know, with his work. And again, reflecting back to statistical things, a lot of his good work was decision making when we didn't have the ball. Which how would, how do you represent mm. that? They don't have uh, tracking that's... data for everyone yet, do so, they? So he really understood his role in our team wherever we played him. Sometimes we played him tucked in on the right. Sometimes think, we played yeah. him as a three, as a ten, as a, as a deeper player. And he really, really un- understood his role. So he was, you notice players like more when they're gone and you're trying to teach someone else. Mm. So he was a big one. It's a good city, and he's been in and out a little bit QPR this year, but. Um, Mark Roberts been similar at Birmingham yeah. sort of been out of the team when they went on that real good run mm. um, and he's got to fight and fight to get to get back in the side Yeah, Sam Winner's had a bad injury Yeah, um, Angus McDonald's not always had it easy either at Hull has he? Angus definitely um, Marley was got a good move to Norwich and yeah. failed to nail down the teams have gone now with the manager he knows at Bristol mm. um, the long play's been interesting so Josh Brown was someone I'd have loved to have kept yeah but he'd already committed to, to Bristol City and, mm. and we, we couldn't really afford to compete. Uh, but you could see him, he blossomed, you know, in that short time we worked with him and went on and sort of struggled a little bit when he first went in and out the side. So I tried to get him again, you know, with someone who I knew would, would, would fit for us and then he's gone on to be the player that we all yeah. know he, he could be. Um, Supposedly it was reported that you were quite keen on Andy Yeardom, Um on signing him at Leeds, if yeah, so yeah, so you I mean, what a been one of the signings of the season. Well, you for, look at so we had a spell in, we had a spell uh, second half, second half. Oh no, in the, in the championship, we went second half. So we had Andy Adam, Angus McDonald, Mark Roberts, James Brees, a back four. Mm. First, that working with James, a twelve-year-old in, in the academy, and, and then the other three all played together for England C non-league. You know, right. and we've been and recruited them, worked with them, and got them in a position where you know keeping clean sheets and winning lots of games in, in the championship and getting people so every one of them had a, had a bid for them that, that we turned down when, mm. we were, when we're at Barnsley all gone now but every one of them were attracting attention of other people so there are players out there 
but I'll keep saying the same the skill is getting the ones where you know can fit mm. what you can ask them to do but that's interesting isn't it because we've just been through the list of players from that squad and a lot of them are struggling to find the same sort of uh, key role in the team that they've joined and the, and the same sort of success um, mm. in, in the teams that they've joined so it's almost like quite obviously when a team does well when a team dare I say overachieves and everyone swoops in you've seen it at, even at the top level with Spurs and Real Madrid buying all their players. and this is why it's not always about when you're discussing recruitment with an owner with um, heads of recruitment with scouts it's not always about trying to go and get the best player it's about the one who fits into it because at the end of the day all those players were bottom of the league in league one in the same season they got promoted and no one wanted them they go to Wembley at the end of the season win two finals set off on fire in the championship and everybody wants them mm. And that's not me, I'll be honest, that's not me making them better players. I think the, the skill is in identifying a way of playing which is effective, but then does it play to the player's strengths and hide the weaknesses? Because then all of a sudden everyone could come and think, what a player, what a player, what a player, what a player. You're maximising the value in the players again, you're getting maximum fees if they come. You're not really improve the player that much, you've maybe made them better at performing that role in the mm-hmm. team. So there's lots of ways whilst you are trying to improve individuals the bigger picture for me is winning the games and, and working with players to, to play the strength side to weaknesses going from Barnsley to Leeds in February of this year was yeah, it? yeah um, we talked about riding a, a very good wave in the first year or maybe 18 months of, of your time at Barnsley and how there was some maybe more going on that from the outside it was it was hard to, to see that few weeks must have been just in terms of your managerial experiences um, pretty a pretty lively few weeks what um, what leading up to moving or yeah moving but, well, it's one of those ones where when you when you read about the move it is Paul Heckingbottom signs a new contract at Barnsley moves to Leeds a short time afterwards yeah. and I think for understandable reasons there are still well there are Barnsley fans and other fans who just can't quite wrap their head around why it happened like what, what why yeah, well, that was I'll a part I'll, of it I'll tell everything from the start and that. so Patrick actually came to me in March and said about uh, look you need a new contract so this is March after our first season in the Championship you need a new contract and a, a bonus for staying up yeah no problem <laughs> not, not a problem uh, come June we'd still not discussed it you know never been brought to me anything like that fine not an issue um, we, we were always me and it's going to sound like I'm speaking bad about Portugal I'm not he's, do you know what I mean he was really challenging for me made me a lot better utmost respect for him do you know what I mean really in lots of ways so you can't we had a relationship where we, we argued hell of a lot but you can't fail not to understand someone and get to know someone really closely if you're that some intense sometimes mm. Um, and the other thing which why I think fans as well have to, and players and managers have to respect the owners would you be willing to put your own money your own family money personal money into a football club and lose it so as much as you know people know I'm a Barnsley fan I've never put my money into the club like someone else has so that, that's really important to understand but we have differences uh, um, on recruitment, on, on, lo- on lots of things, you know, mistakes that I didn't feel we'd learn from, and so so that was ongoing. 
Um, and then it came to the point where he says, we're going to sell the club, blah, blah, blah. Remember that contract? I said, well, I'm, I'm not signing anyone even if you if you bring it to me because I want to know what's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're okay with that. So that was ongoing. Then when we got to know the new owners, we knew it was going through, discussions started again about the contract. Um, and, and I could have got, there was opportunities for me to leave as well at these points and I was on with the club and the club knew and I'm not interested. Um, so that was the case. And then when the new owners were in, going to be in, new contract was easy to agree I'd said you know that no one had not shown any interest in leaving or going elsewhere so that was all not a problem all agreed done you know staying signed but uh, Patrick's health had deteriorated really badly then and you know I was asked would we mind you know delaying the announcement to the contract and everything and I had no problem with that end of the day it was done so I was getting paid I was getting back date paying from when it was agreed which was before way, well before so no problem um, and then we knew Patrick was sadly going to pass away and club rightly wanted to keep some good news for further down the line and pay our respects so that was not a problem so all, all it was was the timing of when mm-hmm. the club chose to release it just so happened a couple of days later Leeds came in for me there was other issues that had gone off then the club knew I would be going at that point because I'd, I'd told the CEO that, do you know what I mean, next time, it's time for me to go. And I didn't know what was happening and, you know, it, it was just, I knew for, rightly then that it, it was time for me to leave, time for me to go elsewhere. Uh, Is that after strategy discussions with the new with the new owners, I didn't with really the new board? what strategy was, I didn't really know and, you know, we'd argued and we were always arguing it felt like it was oh yeah sorry Paul we'll not do that again and it was always two steps forward one step back or one step forward two steps back but I thought come on as long as we don't make the same mistakes coming in you and you think you, you do feel um, an attachment to the club you feel responsible for mm-hmm. fans players the staff who's there so I know I probably took a lot of uh, that in my decision making do you know what I mean and not a bit came to a point where right, what am I value am I adding in is you couldn't show me any more lack of respect really than just arranging medicals and signs without me even knowing do you know mm-hmm. what I mean so it just got to that stage where regardless it's just time for me to leave and then I think it was in the next couple of weeks Leeds came in and that was it done when the call came from Leeds was that a surprise or not really surprise I think I'm trying to think the the days. I think Thomas left on the Sunday. I think I was in place by the Tuesday. Mm. I remember it being a Monday morning, me hearing about it and trying to get someone in touch with someone at Barnsley Football Club because I knew that Leeds had made contact and uh, I couldn't get in touch with anyone. So when I knew before training, so we took training as normal and then I remember just hanging about, oh, well, trying to get in touch with someone to, to find out what was happening. You know, did I have permission to speak? Was it all agreed? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was strange it was strange but and looking at it now I'd made my mind up I was going regardless mm. do, do you know what I mean who it was I'd, I was going do you think they were alright with that who the, the new owners the people that you'd had disagreements with or? I'd, I'd not really had disagreements it was the CEO Marks. so I've had three totally different ownerships now as well yeah. which has been interesting for me so I had a, a local man similar upbringing to myself uh, uh, family run club passionate about it 
vocal in his intentions and, and not scared to pull you up on things and we, you know what I mean it's a really one way to then a consortium of owners that spread all around the world and you're trying to get in touch with people phone call around the world different time zones and mm. then it might be an email if you want everyone involved and so that, that was different and then a Andreas at Leeds an Italian businessman who's new into the, the management of the ownership of a club totally different again so that's all been interesting but, but my contact at the club at that point was, was the CEO at, at Barnsley so yeah so he knew my feelings all the time we're daily speaking about it and, and it was important that I think I was always honest mm. about what was happening and, and, and what I felt so did the disappointment the reaction from the Barnsley fans and the uh, not the fans because the fan the fans reacted to what the club were telling them did that affect the first week or two weeks uh, of Leeds manager were you able to shut sort of shut that out because obviously yeah, you, you're joining mid-season which is not easy in itself you don't think of it you don't think of it and like I say it could have been so it was Griffin being, being local knowing Leeds growing up rivaling Leeds you know what I mean I knew the size of the club and, and what it was uh, but like I say it could have been anywhere that's that's, yeah. where I, that's where I was at that point but that was difficult then looking back that was naive on my part in terms of then the questions I need to ask at Leeds the position do you know what I mean mm. I, 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 no, I'd have said here now they could have told me anything absolute horror story I was that committed to, to leaving that I'd have gone regardless I just in my, and it's a wrong frame of mind to be in mm. um, but that's where I got to yeah. uh, so I was going to ask from an outsider looking at Leeds and seeing all the stats about the churn of managers, albeit under different owners, um, the fact that I think Gary Monk's the only man who's completed a full season in the last God knows how many years. I was going to ask, when you get contacted by Leeds, are there some worries about that? Are there some questions about whether you're actually going to get the support that you know they promise all new managers? But it sounds like that wasn't really relevant because of where your head was at when I look back now that, that's one of the one of the things I've taken from all the things in the, in the bits I've been doing for myself afterwards being really really clear before you go in and having as strong a relationship as possible with the owner and uh, I don't think I weren't misled in any way but I certainly didn't know the landscape of the club and and, um, and it was quite a different landscape wasn't it I know you've said about decision making yeah, like you had to do a lot at Barnsley and yeah, then at Leeds there that, were that more people there. that was the attraction I wanted to to go in so so how, how it was sold so my remit going in up Paul with the owners um, put a lot of his own money in and the only way now we can increase the budget and, and get to, to near the top of the league in terms of competing financial wise is you know selling player developing his own buying his own developing selling profit this is at Leeds. At Leeds, yeah. Essentially, yeah. the Barnsley model. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot, a lot were going down that route. Yeah, um, we've got a problem with discipline at the minute. There were four players suspended when I went in. We've got no connection with the academy. No players coming through, <coughs> and we want a more aggressive style of play in terms of when we've not got the ball and something the fans can identify with. And then it was like, there you go. This is what you've been doing. So. It was fine, and the model was as a head coach. So we had a financial director, director of football, owner. This is where you fit in, right? Well, this is what I do. This is what it looks like. This is what you're going to have to do. And everything was sort of really, really simple. But looking back now, I think that was more the the uh, 
financial director, director of footballs ideas that they got Andreas to buy along with. Do you know what I mean? And right. It was. Um, what so they've they've encouraged uh, that structure to be put in place, yeah, yeah, which is strategy, which is a modern stru- structure yeah, that just, seems to make sense. Yeah, and it was just the change attack then. Which, but you have to get everyone to buy into it. Everyone's got to buy into it and, and believe in it and understand that the process to get there and the difficult decisions that you have to do. So, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was interesting. <laughs> it, it was good. I, re- I, I, I was happy with the decision made, whether we could get them across the line. So look at look at the club now and things that's happened. And the only way, and you you have to accept this thing, the only way I'd have still been there was winning more games, which I get that. Mm-hmm. But yet, I look at what we were doing as well behind and what we identified and in terms of the remit, we were doing it. The big one is identifying players who, you know, you want to take forward. There's a good group of, of players there who had some talent, but there's also a big group behind that and into the 23s, which were never going to play. Mm. But when you've got all those players about and in the building and hanging up, it's, it just detracts from everything you're trying to achieve. Mm. The hunger, the drive, everything that I've been about and the team's been about, that's one way to straight away make that better. Move them on, get rid of them. Mm. Difficult when you're coming straight after a window. You know all these things are going to have to be done in the summer. Um, the other thing they were doing as well was obviously blocking then the progression of the young boys. We gave five five lead debuts. Yeah. Some of them were not. We wouldn't have. We just with the injury suspensions we had, we had to put them in. But others were better than what were there. I look at Bailey Peacock Farrells deserved to be in. Maybe not that opportunity, but. I had to do something weren't happy with with the goalkeeper in front of him so uh, similar with Tom Pierce, you know player who I'd seen in the in the 21s a couple of years previous athletically really good still got lots of areas to improve but deserved his chance mm-hmm. so, so we're doing that um, discipline yeah it's easy to sort out because the players were good lads and really bought into it uh, it's and quite then, an eclectic mix in that squad wasn't there I mean yeah. they had done a lot of recruitment in Europe, like a lot of other teams, over the in the previous it years. Was like, so that's the other thing. Need to be, the, the the recruitment needed to be focused on players who were capable of playing in the championship, not potentially capable. Mm. Bringing in less players, but with proven that can play in England, playing a championship. Don't have to be British players, mm-hmm. but with evidence of playing in there. And then another one is evidence of a real physical robustness. That's what we had to. The, the squad needed conditioning and really getting strong. You can carry a smaller squad then if you're physically strong enough, got enough cover and you recruit for the key areas of the pitch and, and it's fine. And I look at that and, and that's what they've done. Mm. That's what they've done. When I think of the Barnsley side and how that was put together, it was, as, as you've mentioned, generally young British players from, from lower leagues. That lead squad had this weird mix where you've got um, football league veterans or guys who you know English guys who played their career there and then a lot of these younger uh, European lads and that was presumably your first experience of having loads of different languages in, in the dressing room and different and cultures in the staff and in the staff and in the, in the board and the decision makers yeah definitely but one thing that is always the same is the football mm. the, the conflict came um, in terms of right how I saw the game and how I, I wanted the game to be played because for me, the tactics, you, you, your ultimate performance has to dictate or the tail's wagging the dog. Do you know what I mean? If, if we want to get to this style, of, this is what we want our team to look like. 
every other decision then comes off the back of that how you recruit the environment you try and create and the behaviours you want your players to demonstrate your staff to demonstrate every interaction every every decision then is born off of off that sort of model of performance if you like um, so there was a lot of work needed doing before we could get to that I said players out less players in but of a different type creating an environment with staff as well change over a staff where you need to be hungry and driven um, and just to a, a, a lot less numbers of players you're automatically mm-hmm. creating natural opportunity for, for players to come in who you can judge keep that hunger keep the drive um, so that, that's where the conflict came in terms of my decision making I knew we were a, a long way away from being able to make that big shift mm-hmm. but sometimes it's more important getting players out than it is getting them in yeah you've said the, the principles that you hold and speaking your mind meant that maybe your departure was quicker than it could have been if you'd just sort of towed the party line and you could have maybe stuck around for a bit longer. Well, one thing I wanted to be happy, made sure happy with, I felt, so just said to you, I felt I knew what needed to happen, do you know mm. what I mean? And I felt within the club there was an acceptance that that needed to happen, it was just making it happen. Um, and I'm really, I can be happy with myself that I was truthful and tried to make it happen do you know what I mean because mm. the one thing I could have never done is sit tight and then speaking to him four months time being sacked having done nothing mm. um, because I don't know you, you've, you've got to you've got to try and do it your way you've, you've got to try and fight for everything and make things better and do things right and then do you know what if it doesn't work out you, you've done everything that you can and you can be happy with yourself when you left the club it was said that the objective was to bring in a head coach with more experience. I mean, you'd been there for four months and clearly four or five months before they were looking for something else. That must have been a bit frustrating. Yeah, I, I knew I knew I was going, do you know what I mean? I knew yeah. what was happening. Um, and I knew it would only be if they could bring in a yeah. a player with a reputation because the the, the shift changed. So the objective I was setting, you came in or, or the... the the idea of how we were going to go forward uh, changed and it's every right I, I don't run the club I don't own the club do you know what I mean mm. but it'd be nice to be given opportunity to do it in a different way definitely but that, that wasn't my decision um, and, and I've spoke to people at least since and Andreas and I, and I get I can't, well, I'll not say what we spoke about but it's, a, it's his club he run it exactly how, how he wants mm. no problems with that um, and good luck to them and I mean that like I watch them play now and like I said I look at the thing, things I can sit back and well I've actually done what I was speaking about yeah so yeah I can be there's no guarantee if I'd still be there that we'd be up there mm. but likewise no guarantee if manager would come in when I came in yeah would be up there they'd have yeah, yeah. face the same issues as me they just might have gone about it in a different way I don't know so as yeah. someone that was studying Dortmund around the time that they were so good whatever that was five odd years ago I'm, I'm sort of thinking aloud here that that was a similar time that Bielsa's athletic Bilbao were, Bilbao, yeah. were ripping Man United to shreds so that yes, I, actually spoke, I actually spoke to director football leads about Bilbao and, really? and the way they played and I probably put the idea in his head well, let's go get Marcelo <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was. What have you made about how he's? Because we were told that he only he could only play one way, and he just was so stubborn about it. And I'm not sure it's necessarily been the case. I've been quite impressed with how he's sort of adapted his style to English football. Because we've seen managers, I think, before 
who haven't done that and maybe been a bit surprised? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you because I don't know. You know, never spoke to. I couldn't tell you what he's had to adapt or maybe concessions he's made or things he's spotted where he thinks he can get an you know tactical advantage. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's what there's one thing to do. See which is seen a few South Americans as well is how they defend without the ball which has been a little bit different where mm-hmm. it's getting described as, as really man to man in lots of areas um, and, it, and it is specific so more or less every game if wingers are coming in off the line and going deep for the ball he has the full backs going all the way in with him and his wingers tracking all the way back with the opposition's full backs um, take it to Sheffield United the, the other day um, he's, he's gone a step further than virtually everyone match him up his shape and I've virtually everyone bar his middle centre back going man for man mm. and I think that's a big compliment to, to Chris Wilder and Sheffield United um, but it's shown you know Leeds thinking about it Marcel's come up with a, what he considers the answer and they win the game mm. but it was interesting really interesting to watch because I've heard a lot of people speak about Chris and Sheffield United and uh, the brand of football and how they played and you know and people ask how, how would you deal with that then what would you do with that how would you um, and that's one way mm. which I've not seen before in, in terms of the people in the championship set up against them so that was an interesting game to watch I really enjoyed that game watching and then flipping it watch it right well if, if it's so man for money why aren't Sheffield United and that's the bit yeah. I'm missing yeah, so you yeah. can watch a game and have all the answers yeah. if it's not working after 10 minutes I'm not then making the next decision yeah. and that, that's the bit where I feel like I'm falling behind and, and not getting better because I've a I want to be back in that that hot seat if you like and thinking about it I think Bielsa said uh, in the press that he thought that Wilder has done some things that he hadn't been able to do you know tactical things to implement that Bielsa hasn't achieved so I thought that was really nice Um, that was an excellent game is it difficult when just talking about reacting to the opposition in the championship and especially with now a lot of different styles of play which probably 10 years ago we didn't see that much um, sort of diversity in terms of systems. You mentioned there, you know, Bielsa doing that to try and counteract Chris Wilder's Sheffield United and their style of play. Is it quite difficult when you, there are so many games to have time to properly analyse the opposition and set up a game plan, you know, when often yeah. you're playing two games Saturday, in a week? Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, yeah. And if you can't, do you just go, we just have to play our game? Well, this, this is the point, so... So I'm very much play our game. This is how we play. But you can be really clear in how you play your game against every different opposition. Does that make sense? You yeah. may have a tactical change, change of shape, mm. um, but there's also key tactical elements within your performance which are really important when you're playing Sheffield United, for mm. example. Like we we would play four three three against Sheffield United um, as opposed to a four four two. But the principles of how we play would still be the same. That would be the tactical change. You know, Similar Wolves came and did something different, yeah. and we played four three three against that because it was a three at the back. But a key element then was us being more dominant of the ball against Wolves and using our six to get on the ball because they only had two in the middle, and we felt we could overload play it. So we'd put, still play that four three three in the same way, but a key part of how we play would probably be more important based on how the opposition play. Does that makes sense, to you? Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm wondering how you know. It definitely makes sense that switch against a Wolves or Sheffield United. I guess in terms of where bodies are on the pitch or positioning, you've then got the, the one striker and they've got the three defenders. So what's the? How are you going to hurt them then? Like how? Yeah, well, their... we struggle. So we got promoted with Barnsley and then recruited that summer and then set off in the championship. 
we generally played with two forwards. So out of possession, we were a 4-4-2. Yeah. But in possession, we were lots of different things. But out of possession... We two were sort of nines as well, wasn't it? Yeah, two nines. But when we when we had the ball, there was always one of them as a 10 and wingers coming off line. Sometimes a wide player would be a centre midfielder. So, we, so in possession, we were lots of things. But out of possession, we defended as a 4-4-2. And we were really comfortable when we didn't have the ball. So when I speak about perfect performance, we... We break down our play into seven phases. So, transition, winning the ball, can we counter? If we can't counter, how do we create? When we lose the ball, so that defensive transition, first start is a regain. If we can't, how do we control the opposition when we don't have the ball? And then all restarts. So, we're always in one of those phases. We were comfortable in every phase in that. The players we lost, and then as manner of recruitment, when the meant the balance of the squad, so the tactical balance of the squad physical balance of the squad, technical balance of the squad, we became less competent without the ball. So we we only had one striker in Tom Bradshaw, Mama took a little while to settle in, so we changed shape for that reason, but we only had one. Mm. Uh, we always want strikers on the bench. But we had to control the game more with the ball a lot, use our six. So we, we were comfortable going away and having 40% possession, but we still back ourselves to win 2-0 away, for yeah. example. Mm couldn't do that anymore so we had to focus on something different um, and really really start playing uh, more possession how we how we handle the ball and can control the game with the ball whilst trying to get better without the ball because we, otherwise we'd become a totally different team mm. so that that was the key thing with us tactically um, and, and the big the big shifts we felt naturally but then we it was adapting that shape to a uh, the opposition so we'll go back to Wolves 5 at the back or Sheffield United we, we wanted to be aggressive so we're happy at times one striker against three defenders but we're happy at times if our full backs accept their wing backs and then we've got 3v3 as soon as we win the ball um, so that's not a problem the problem with Wolves and how they played because they only played two in the middle still their wingers came in off the line so if the, if the wing backs went really high then they could have five players if you like against our four which yeah. was a problem so we worked really hard without the ball against Wolves using our six we'd always tell us six is defensive position ideas between the ball and our goal generally it's a yeah. decent position you can adjust it um, with Wolves' wingers coming in off the line so we played it in two games and we had a different six we had Joe Williams away and we had Gary Gardner at home and a lot of the work then without the ball so play the same way with the ball but defensively against Wolves it's different to defensively against Sheffield United against that shape so our six as most of his running would be horizontal would be sideways when we've not got the ball so he's coming in and taking could be Costa coming in off the line has to take him because we might have to accept the wing bar right back might have to accept our left wing back Mm -hmm. Um, centre back still dealing with a nine midfield two are still in there that's great but then they play back back across the opposite centre back his, his legs now have got to get him across to who could it be on the other side uh, Diego Yotta coming in yeah. uh, sorry Yotta coming in off the yeah. line off the other side and he's, that, that so that was like a key tactical element mm. if you like against them uh, be, just because of how they play we were still the same team trying to do the same things but that was a, a really important tactical element against Wolves mm. it would have been less so against Sheffield United because they'd have had three men in there anyway and yeah. it was more man for man in the middle so yeah, and the less the less moving parts, if you like, the more likely you have to get right. I yeah. So back in between those, like three three days between a game type. Yeah, yeah, must be really tough. 
I, I just liked how Chelsea did it and the Premier League couldn't handle it, that system. And then Wolves did it the next year. Yeah. The Championship was like, what, what is going on? We don't know what to do. Yeah, um, Wolves, and then lots of teams sort of tried to recreate it, both in the Premier League and in the, and in the Championship. Wolves in possession caused lots of teams so many problems, but I said to Nuno, I still believe that their biggest strength, they were the best team without the ball that season, mm. they were the best team on the counter-attack, and they were arguably the best team in set plays. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But everyone yeah, yeah. spoke about with the ball, but for me that the standouts were in the other areas so are we we played two of our best games against Wolves mm. only scored one goal did we score? yeah only scored one goal and created a handful of chances in two games that was it do you know what I mean? and mm. we played we were at our best both games I feel yeah um, it was tough tough um, set plays are an interesting one uh, at uh, at Leeds you had a set piece coach is that right? yeah um, you've obviously turned up and he's already there doing his work what like that must have been a bit different a bit new yeah new but I was sort of aware of his work gee, from previous clubs mm. and obviously playing Leeds and the value I could see it's, it's different so you're setting up against one of his teams and we had a way we like to defend and our play but it made you think and we had to adapt again because there were different things going off Um so I could see the value in it but then going to Leeds and then you're in charge a little bit different because there's a he was very much you could speak to you very much more focused on in possession set plays and but he'd given a lot of responsibility with out of possession as well and this mm-hmm. and the other and we were conceding too many do you know what I mean I, I yeah. wanted a bit more clarity so it took a lot of the responsibility away away from him but it's something you look. I'd look at again definitely but I've spoke to a couple of people afterwards managers who, who've asked me about it and one thing that was different Leeds was I think it was a club appointment rather than the previous manager's mm-hmm. appointment and you don't know what remit is being given and because like I say everyone's job is to get as close to that perfect performance if you're bringing players in who don't fit that if you're bringing staff members in who don't fit that because there's no right or wrong way to play the game mm. do you know what I mean it's about getting this is us this is our identity this is how we play and then getting everyone to best deliver that players and staff so it's the what I've said to the manager before from my experience it's different if you're bringing the person in you're bringing the person in who suits you and how you work and mm. to deliver the right information in the right way and getting you close to where you want to be um, and that's something you have to be really clear on because one another thing speak about things I've learned from the time in the game I probably took for granted as well my four years work at Barnsley on set plays Mm-hmm. for and against and how much the players learn and how much then they take on responsibility how best to get that delivered in four weeks at, at my next club yeah you take it for granted what what's uh, what's next Paul it's taken us a long time to get on this I thought we were going to start with with this but looking to get back into the same role as you had at Barnsley and Leeds yeah coach yeah coach yeah definitely I enjoy it love it where it is we'll have to wait and see um, I've had plenty of phone calls about it and yeah I mean your name is always in the in those linked always in the betting markets I mean it was even when you were at Barnsley but since yeah, you've t- been since timing, you've been unemployed timing like the beginning choice to, to be out of it and because I think long term it will make me better do you know yeah. what I mean and yeah. touched on a couple of things when we speak but 
it, it has been good in that respect. The, the bit what I struggle with is not working and not making them decisions. It's mm-hmm. the first time I've not been flat out, so that's that's been interesting and, and planning again for the next time it happens because it'll happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you had some conversations, interviews, applications? Yeah, yeah, all, all of the above. Where, where I go, though, we'll have to see whether it's this country, another country. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. We'll and see. When, you're, uh, when you're in the position you're in, this is just one of those sort of questions that now I'm in the position to ask someone, I have to ask because yeah. I'm just interested as a football fan. How does it work when there is a vacancy and you are interested in it and you want to apply? Because sometimes you see clubs tweet after they uh, after a manager leaves you know there is a vacancy please send your applications to the club secretary or something yeah. is that how you would is that how it, or, or is it through agents or know, how so does it I'd use my, yeah I'd use my agent to, to do that definitely yeah right yeah conversation so you wouldn't email your CV to uh, you know secretary at eflclub.co.uk no, <laughs> no, no, no. But there's other things as well. Well, out of respect, there might, might be folk. I'm out of work, so it don't, don't mean I could phone yeah. someone up and support and, and phone an owner up and mm. I could do that if I wanted. It's not, so there's, there's no right or wrong way. Mm. Um, not at all. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Like I said, to see where it is, where, where, where they'll get close to going in somewhere, where I do go in. What um if I stick to like so what I think is really important before you do go in, mm. um, that is that the sort of structure that you'd like to yeah. have in place. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I find it interesting that there are lots of um, essentially older, more experienced managers who are, were used to being managers in the old school sense of the word, who would probably complain about some of the new structures that have been put in place that have changed the role over the last decade or so. Whereas since you've come into management, you've been a head coach twice. Um, in that sort of more modern in inverted commas sort of system so yeah, is that but, something that you but you couldn't get two more different so here you go so, so at Barnes my, my role's head coach at both we had a spell at Barnes where we've got no head of recruitment no CEO you're doing everything so no you should have just been called the manager then you know you're doing, <laughs> doing literally everything yeah and then you, you go to Leeds head coach you've got financial director di- uh, director of football it seems totally different again but it's not the titles it's what the roles are so if I ask you what a director of football does can you can you tell me the business of the football side of the football club which is uh, recruitment wages and salaries and contracts uh, staffing yeah which might be different at, at all clubs so where is it documented what are the actual roles where's the yeah. crossover to, between other positions too vague, like you, everyone's got a different model, but what basically it comes out whose roles are responsible for the what, otherwise there's grey areas, there's people not performing properly. Um, and that that's key. That's key, everyone being on the same page, knowing what, what is the end goal, where we're trying to get to and what's this plan to get there. And if it fits, you know what I mean? If if you fit and you're the right person for them, it should be easy. Mm. You know, they should seem like the right people for you as well. Um, and you've been doing a bit of uh, a bit of charity work? Yeah, so it's something that so it's two two big things that I want up and run again next time work all the time I know so I were always studying while I was coaching and working it's only the last year I've not been uh, and I chose not to because it, you know it's hard work you back at uni I did a degree while I was coaching in, in the other roles then as head coach or doing a masters and if, I couldn't wait to finish it and right focus now on the job 
but it doesn't really suit me. I, I, I want to have other things going off. I need to be have other interests. It's all right, people saying get a hobby. So you go on the golf course and still think about work and the game and taking phone calls. And Yeah, so I read this. You, you've been trying to get your handicap down, haven't we all? But you've been taking phone calls on the golf course. You, you must be a nightmare to play with. Yeah, well, it's funny. First time, first time I played golf with my brother and my dad after when I weren't in work, I came and I said, like, we're having a beer yet? Yeah, no, I said, oh, I enjoyed that. My, my brother went, yeah, you will do, because you weren't on your phone all the way around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just how it is. It's, it's, it's different. Uh, yeah. But I need, I want that different experience. I never want to be in that, just that football bubble. I want mm. different different people, different things going off. And if you've got a deadline to it and an assignment, you've, you've automatically got to shift your focus. And then the other one is, yeah, I'm going to set up a, a charity which will be up and running the new year, which will be interesting. The, the amount of work you're doing in football and you're doing events, charity events, and I, and I can be honest, there's not many what you follow up on or even get feedback on in terms mm. of have you done any good or it's either a something put on by an organisation, something put on by the football club. The only one I can really remember getting good satisfaction out of was, was Barnsley Hospice, because I was at the club a long time, knew the area. Yeah. It was quite a longer affiliation and I was there a few times. So it's more along that really, me uh, doing things that I can get a bit of satisfaction out of and helping other people. And when you're out of work, like now, the other reason is, Straight away, then I've got two focuses going off, and I never want to feel like I'm coming on what's now, what's mm. next. Yeah. I've always got something I can jump into. So, I'm going to ask you a couple of very quick fire quiz questions in a second. But my last main question is just what is Myanmar like as a, <laughs> as a place? Of course, I'm bothered that. <laughs> I thought I'd done about talking about that place. What is a place? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's strange. So the people were fantastic, like fantastic. As an experience, really good in terms of that. Um, listen, it was a business trip. It was nothing. We got no football benefit out of it whatsoever. It was a purely a business trip, um, and, and yeah, could have done without it with the stress it caused. You know, a lot of the players and things like that. But yeah, I'm glad I went. It was it was it good was experience. Good, good experience yeah. and, and good people and. Um, do you know what put a lot of smile on a lot of people's faces as well which when all the drama and everything negative's going off it's probably forgotten and you probably overlook it so yeah the, the people we came into contact with are fantastic that's what it's all about right Paul using uh, the website Transfermarkt which has a lot of lot of good stats uh, I'm going to ask you some questions the first one is who's made the most appearances under you as a manager Oh, which player? Mark Roberts. It's not Mark Roberts. Adam Davis. Adam Davis ah, is correct. Consecutive. Does he get the record consecutive as well? He's, I think he's got the consecutive record. Yeah. My own records don't stretch to that, but I'm sure he did. If you say so. Now, the second question is most appearances from an outfield player. I know you're going to say, and it's not him. It's not him. No. Someone we've spoken about not Hamill. long ago. Hamill. Adam Hamill. Yeah. 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 So you're you're zero from two so far with your first guesses. Uh, who scored the most goals under you? I mean, most of your strikers have been whipped away from you, but this lad stuck around long enough yeah. to score a fair Tom Bradshaw. Is not correct. Sam Winnell scored. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that like, second half of that season. Bit, yeah, I, was watch, I was watching the compilation. I think, I think he Oof. got 11 before he left as well. Yeah. And he went there you go. Peanuts as well. He went, thank you for forgetting that. Who got the most assists? Connor. 
Connor by miles as well. <laughs> He's on like 25 on the plays. Yeah. Um, the youngest player that you've given a debut to? Josh Key. Ryan Edmondson. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. 16, yeah. Last game of the season. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 Um, 16. Was he 16? Uh, yeah, he was, yeah. Two more. Um, one positive, one negative. We'll start with a good one. There's one team you've managed against three times in your career and won all three. Is there? Yeah. And two of them were pretty worth, you know, important, famous games. Walsall. Correct. Yeah. Walsall. Yeah. Oh, that glorious playoff so semi final. league as well, yeah. Yeah. And there's one team you've managed against three times or more and lost every time against. Lost. Every one team and the and manager who's who's not there anymore but <clears throat> was there all five times. Five times? <laughs> yeah. So Jeez, five times. Must have played them in the cup or something. No. Slavisa's Fulham. Fulham, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. side. Good oh, side, to be fair. Got away with murder. Oh, well, no, we did. We were battering them and then we had a man sent off stupidly. They got away with murder, yeah. There you go. Paul, I'm very grateful for your time. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, I mean, I was going to say it's media work, which you've been doing a bit more of, but it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, it is different. Yeah. It's not like your Sky Sports news slot. No. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. That's good, I enjoyed it. It is different, more relaxed, different different questions. Well, uh, I've loved it and I'm sure that the listeners will too. So thank you very much and uh, hopefully next time we talk, it'll be with you as head coach yeah, slash nice. manager uh, <laughs> of an EFL club or somewhere else. Mm, be nice.